welcome to the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast, where all things football are injected right to your veins, with your hosts, Matt Donnelly, Calvin Shoemake, and Jeff Mueller. What is up? And welcome to the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast Team Spotlight Series. We are on the 28th team out of 32. What better place to go than right there to Seattle, home of the 12th man, and a lot of great things there in Seahawk land. We are joined by an amazing group of guests here to talk, talk about and break down the show. But before I introduce them, just to introduce, the, like I do for every show, exactly what we're doing here. We get to February, and it seems like just about everything on the timeline is rookies, and that's good. We want to make sure we are breaking down all, all these rookies, but we also we have free agency, we have coaching changes, we have a lot of other things from a dynasty perspective to pay attention to. And to do that, like I said, I like to bring in really smart people who also happen to be fans of the team. And nobody pays attention to your team the way that you do. And no one pays attention to the Seahawks quite like these guys that are joining me here. So I'll start. Dan, I'll start with you. Welcome to the show. Thank you for agreeing to come on. And where can we find you and what are you working on these days in the offseason? Thanks. I'm a Seahawks Dan 8 on Twitter and pretty much everywhere else. Uh, that's that's kind of me. Um, I, I must say that explosion was uh, better than AEW's explosion uh, last night. So, but better than Kenny Omega's explosion, supposedly. But anyway, uh, <laughs> asides necessary. But uh, but yeah, so uh, I'm on Twitter there. Uh, I have been extremely busy uh, in this world of virtual teaching. So I haven't been working on much, but I write for idpguys.org when I get some time. And uh, we're working on that IDP Guys magazine. So yeah, that's, working that's on what I've been working on. Some rookie portfolios and certainly yeah. a guy here that knows a little bit about breaking down rookies. John, really appreciate you joining the show. And uh, yeah, where can we find you and what have you been working on? Yeah, thanks for uh, for having me here. It's at John Helmkamp, which no one knows how to spell. So hopefully you're watching the screen because it's right down here at the bottom. Um, at John Helmkamp is a Twitter handle. I'm a staff writer at deadspin.com. Uh, that's where pretty much all my writing is going. Also the co-host of the Red Shirts Dynasty Football Podcast. Uh, so that's where we're doing. I mean, it's it's rookie season over there. So we're we're doing a lot of rookie breakdown between now and the draft, which is next month. So it's it's right around the corner. We're in crunch time uh, for heading up to the draft. So it's a it's an exciting time of year. Football never sleeps. It's exciting to uh, take a look at it. As you can find find me at Calvin and Hobby, the Dynasty Vipers. I told Matt. Look, I don't want to be, I'm not requesting a trade from the Dynasty Vipers, but if you were going to trade me, I would only go to ESPN, CBS, IDP guys, or Deadspin. Those are the only four places I'm willing to go. <laughs> uh, John, let's, uh, let's just talk a little bit about your history as a Seahawks fan. So yeah. are you, you know, have you been a lifelong Seahawks fan? I know you said you, you, know, you aren't currently living there, but did you grow up near there? Like, tell me a little bit about your background and your history with the team. Yeah, I'm born and raised in Portland. Um, which is basically just South Seattle. Um, so all of the Seattle teams, that that's what Portland, you know, is kind of a, attached to. So I grew up watching the Seahawks. Um, I've, I've been, you know, lifelong fan. Grew up watching them. Um, kind of through some really, 
really mediocre to bad seasons um, when I was a kid. And then things started to kind of get a little bit of exciting as I was, you know, becoming a teenager and you went through the Matt Hasselbeck and the Sean Alexander years and, and, you know, got close to the playoffs. I love that Alexander behind you. I saw it. Um, made the Super Bowl against against Pittsburgh. Thought we were robbed by the refs when I was like, I don't even remember, 11 years old or whatever it was. Um, and, yeah, it's it's been a love affair ever since. So moved away from Portland, spent a couple of terrible years in the desert of Phoenix. Now I'm in Chicago, but, you know, still holding on to that Seahawks fandom. Um, although we'll see. John Schneider is really uh, testing my luck lately so we'll we'll see if that fandom sticks yep I, in fact i want to get into that with, with your article here we talk about 2020 dan just you know obviously um i i'm guessing you're a pretty hardcore fan considering your name is at seahawks dan but tell us a little bit about your history with the team yeah uh so i w- growing up i mean i i'm in the, i'm from the philly area so in the philly area you're expected to be an eagles fan but uh i i bucked that trend so uh my dad was very disappointed but um but i just started liking uh, i guess towards the tail end of Largen's career and uh just kind of stuck from there um like john said suffered through a very bad stretch through the 90s pretty much and, uh, yeah so uh but you know then eventually you know Hasselbeck and, and Sean Alexander and it's funny because this is actually a toddler jersey that I have free <laughs> it is my kid's jersey so uh I said you know what I'm nobody in Philly is gonna appreciate this jersey so I'm just gonna put it in a shadow box and that's about as creative as I get uh but like uh like you said about the the Pittsburgh Super Bowl uh, I actually spiked my cell phone off of my friend's foot that <laughs> night uh, he wasn't too happy was it, about was it. it on, was it on the Roethlisberger lunge? Is that because I that think was it the was. Did it for me. It, it might have been that. It might have been when Matt Hasselbeck got called for holding when trying to tackle somebody after <laughs> an interception. Because that's the most absurd ref call I think I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. Because he's trying to tackle a guy and got called for holding. Oh, wow. Yep. But yeah, the, the, I think it might have yeah. actually been Willie Parker. Uh, just shredding. I think it, that was. I think it was, was pretty bad. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, and then uh, we we had the triumphant destruction of the the Broncos, which was especially sweet mm. because I can't stand the Broncos. So that was and, wonderful. Uh, yes, and then uh, I don't like to talk about Marshawn Lynch getting the ball on the wand because no, mm. that should have happened. I, okay, I I I will though. I will talk about that. So my daughter was. Seven months old. Uh, yeah, actually eight. Eight months old. And sitting in my parents' house or watching the Super Bowl, um, I go to my, my then wife and, like, reach for my daughter. And this is when we're on the one. And I, I pull her down and put her on my knee, and I literally whisper, do you want to see the Seahawks win the Super Bowl? And then <laughs> the pick happened, and I went like this, and I gave her back. <laughs> and then I melted into my hands in utter yeah. despair um, because there's no way that we shouldn't have won that game. There's no way. There's no way. The offensive line, the pitch they were getting all night, Marshawn yeah. was good for like three yards at least on every run, didn't get stuffed on anything. It's the worst moment in Seahawks, uh, Seahawks history was that play. 
I watched it with a bunch of Patriot fans. So it was, Ouch. I just, oh. when that happened, I just walked out of the house after that. I didn't say goodbye to anybody. I just walked just, straight out. out of the house. Like, yep. I won't, I will talk to you guys in about a month or so when I get over this eventually, maybe. So to turn that a little bit, <laughs> talk about Marshawn Lynch. Is there anybody more lovable in the history of the Seattle than Marshawn Lynch? I mean, is he like the, the best thing to ever come out of Seattle sports, Dan? Uh, uh, he's, he's, he's one of my favorites. Absolutely. I mean, um, there's a lot. I mean, I mean, Hasselbeck gets grilled all the time for, you know, the, I'm, we're going to take the ball and we're going to score thing. But I said, you know, I mm. love that about Hasselbeck because, you know, he ended up throwing a bad pass. But, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of guys that stick out. I have like, I don't know, six Hasselbeck jerseys. So he's kind of a favorite. I do have a Marshawn jersey. Uh, but, uh, Shaquille, uh, Shaquem Griffin was a recent favorite of mine just because of his story playing with Shaquille, which hopefully we can, uh, we'll talk about him, I guess, a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no Matt Flynn jerseys, huh? I actually do have a Matt Flynn jersey. <laughs> do you really? I do. Wow. Yes. I was just going to get, uh, the, the nameplate taken off and put like, uh, curse on there. Oh, nice. <laughs> but, uh, I was too lazy to do that. So. So, John, I just want to toss it over to you. I mean, 2020 started off, like, really, really good. I mean, that, there was yeah. talk about Russell Wilson and his MVP, and, you know, he was finally going to get some MVP votes this year and things like that. And then it's like all of a sudden, like, things just kind of went on the, off the rails a little bit. Um, you know, do you put that on – I mean, I, I know John Schneider is not your favorite. Is that where you ultimately put the blame for a lot of this? Or, like, how wh- what happened in 2020? Um, a lot happened in 2020. I think that roster construction, I think that there's no player more valuable in the NFL to his team than Russell Wilson, except maybe Deshaun Watson. And it's funny how both of them are at the middle of quarterback controversies right now. Um, if it wasn't for Russell Wilson, this would have been a three and 13 team. Like there's, there's no question in my mind. The roster construction was terrible. The depth was terrible. The the pieces weren't there. Early in the season, we were getting away with it because the offense was outperforming expectations. They were going gangbusters. You had Russ going for 400 yards and four touchdowns and, you know, connecting on just deep shot after deep shot after deep shot. And you're looking at that and you're going – this is really, really great, but it is unsustainable. And then with Chris Carson getting hurt, the running back position became absolute trash. But we still tried to run it on first and second and throw on third. So you have an antiquated coaching philosophy with Pete Carroll and an unstable roster construction from John Schneider. Um, it was like fool's gold early in the season to me. And as it went on, things started to come back down to a little bit closer to I think what the roster looked like it should um and it didn't go well and and it didn't go well at all and basically the way this roster looks right now we look like a wild card team maybe maybe a division team like maybe but the Rams look amazing right now um and we look like a first round exit in the playoffs every year and we don't have the cap space to fix anything or the draft picks to fix anything so 
we're at a really tough spot. I don't like it. We're kind of in that middle of no man's land where we're not bad enough to rebuild, but we're not good enough to compete. And it's just like dynasty fantasy football. I hate being in the middle. Pick mm. one. You're either all in to win right now. And if that doesn't work, then guess what? It's time to tear it down. I think we might be getting close to that point with Seattle. So if you're in the middle, I'm going to toss it right, right, right back to you and then get back over to you, Dan. But like, like, They'll say you are John Schneider, and I, you know, re- reading your obviously, you don't agree with a lot of the moves that he's made. But what, like, what would be the right moves in that case? And you know, is is there anything that he can do where in the position that he's in right now to change whether you're in the middle and go go all in for being Super Bowl bound? It's tough because our offensive line is really bad. Our defensive line is really bad. Our linebackers are great, but getting old. Um, we have a couple key pieces on the secondary, like Jamal Adams, that we just gave up the next two first-round picks plus one for. Um, so there's a lot of holes on the team that Schneider is trying to mask by elite play from a few different pieces. And if those few different pieces are not performing literally like the top of the NFL at their positions, um, there's 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 no way to get this team over the top. There's so many needs and there's not enough ways to fix it. I don't really know that there is a way to get this team to be a contender right now because we don't have any firsts to offer. Like we don't have anything that we can really go after the pieces that we need to address because the quarterback's in place, the middle linebacker's in place, wide receiver looks good, although Tyler Lockett is carrying a really high cap hit this year, 14 mil. Um, and the defensive line is terrible and pass rush is bad. So there, there's too many needs and not enough assets to address it, in my opinion. Um, I think it's time to blow it up. Mm. Like, that's that's just what it looks like to me, and I hate saying that because I feel like Seattle should have been a dynasty at some point in the last decade. Um, but I think it's I think it's time. I don't think that there's pieces in place to make this a contending roster, and you've got a disgruntled quarterback. Grandest wish, go make you know Chicago pay an exorbitant amount for him and start the rebuild. Dan, I see you shaking your head. Is that a nod of agreement? I, I've in preparation for this, I looked at all the uh, impending free agents, and good lord, it's like half the roster is an mm-hmm. impending yeah. free agent or already and cut. We have no money to pay him. Like, and no money to pay them, exactly. Both of our starting corners are free agents. Yep. KJ Wright's a free agent. Chris Carson, Carlos Hyde, free agents. Ethan Posich, free agent. I mean, if you just go down the list, you're like, oh, my God. Like, how are they going? They didn't have cap space before. The cap got lowered a bit, if I'm not mistaken. And they, they let Dunlap go because, obviously, his cap hit was going to be too much. So... But then it's like, why even trade for the guy? Like, what, yeah. what is well, the I, plan of trading for him if you don't have the resources available to keep him going into next year? There's no hmm. point in making that move. I, I think Same it was a go Jamal all in Adams. for this year. I think it was a go all in, try to fix what they could last year. Because, I mean, the defense is pretty – the defense has kind of been figured out because uh, it predicates on a pass rush kind of like it did, you know, and when you don't have a pass rush, you don't have a defense. You can get burnt at any time. And that's, you know, they, they, when, when the Legion of boom was there and you had 
you know, Averill and uh, Bennett there, you know, they would get there and the corners would only have to cover for a couple seconds. That's all. Two and, a half, and then yeah. th that's all you needed. And then they've tried to recreate that with some guys that they just aren't what they were. You know, they either tried to Clowney, Carlos yeah. Dunlap. Mm -hmm. They've tried this whole same thing, try to go get a veteran at a discount. Yeah. They think they might be able to revitalize the, the career of. And Dunlap was okay, and he was good enough. But, again, I think that they went all in to try and win last year, and it didn't work. So now you're screwed. Like, yeah. you're not in a position to be able to win. I was about the to bring up Daryl Taylor. In, the whole thing about all in is that you lose if you don't win. Like, yeah. you, you lose everything if, if it doesn't pay off. And that's the position that we're in right now. My uh, my co-host on IDP Nation loves Daryl Taylor being a Tennessee volunteer fan, and he is uh, he's all in on him. We never saw him, so I don't know what he can do at the pro level. So, you know, that's that's LJ Collier first round bust. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. So you hey, Rashad Penny is now our starting running back. Uh, Good lord, I'm sure. Only took three years and multiple injuries, but here we are. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned your you know impending free agents, and that's you know that's certainly part of bringing bringing everybody in. There's there with the release of Dunlap, there is now 25 million in cap space. There's a possibility, from what I read, that you could free up about 35 to 38 million in cap room by just restructuring some con some contracts. That might make a case for hey, you can go out and and get some free agents. I mean, like, do you think? that there's any chance that Schneider and Carroll are, you know, what, what do they have in the works there to go and maybe retain some of the pieces that they have, put a franchise tag on Shaquille Griffin, something like that. Like John, what, what do you think they're, they're doing with trying to create this cap space right now? Um, I think that they are trying desperately to, uh, yeah. Trade Luckett is one of the things that I've actually suggested in the past. I'm actually doing this like whole big fake NFL mock draft thing with all 32 teams accounted for. And, and I took my Seahawks in that and I traded theoretically Tyler Lockett to Miami for what I get back a third and a 2022 six, I believe. Hmm. So get a third and a sixth and the guy like, we went back and forth on it, and he agreed to that. And you're free of $14 million in cash. So that's one of those theoretical moves that I think that they might need to look at doing um, because he carries one of the biggest cap hits on the team. Uh, um, I think that right now they're tr trying anything that they can do to free up some space to try to address the offensive line to try and make Russ happy. I think mm. that that's like the only like Band-Aid in the leaking dam they're trying to do right now to try and get things in order because if russ isn't there there's no point in anything else like mm. if you decide that we're gonna trade russ you're blowing it all up no. you're blowing it up bobby wagner kj Wright, all the corners like tyler lockett you keep dk metcalf because he's on his rookie deal like you blow it up down to the studs if you don't have russ so I think they're trying to make a last ditch effort to keep Russ happy and keep him on the team potentially like, okay, we freed up a little bit of cap. 
We can maybe go out and address offensive line a little bit. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking through the, the list right now. There's not a whole lot. Um, I mean, hell, bring back Russell Okun. He's a 33-year-old left tackle. He's a free agent. Um, I, I don't know. There's not a whole lot out there. Gabe Jackson from Las Vegas, Nick Martin from, from Houston. But they're not difference-making offense alignment. That's the point. Like, it needs to be like a David Bakhtiari of the world to, to mm. make Russ be like, okay, thank you. I appreciate it. You've done the thing. And we tried to get Bakhtiari last offseason. Didn't work. Ended up going back to Green Bay. Um, so I just don't see there being enough pieces for this to be a happy marriage going forward. It looks to me like the only thing left to do is blow the doors off and say it's been fun and we try again because, you know, they gave John Schneider a six-year extension. He's got the freedom and the money to think, okay, I've got my job. I've, I've been rewarded for two great draft classes almost a decade ago. Um, and now we can, you know, we can, we, can, we can try again. We can try to tear it down and, and start over. When, as soon as they extended John Schneider, which, by the way, I wrote an article on Deadspin about how pissed off I was about John Schneider. They extended him the next day. And as soon as that happened, I was like, we're screwed. Like, it was obviously was like, in response to you. It was just a, a big... Yeah, uh... I think so. I think so. It was actually really <laughs> funny because I wrote a sarcastic article that, like the day that they extended him. And the headline that my editor put on it was Seattle Seahawks troll deadspin writer with John Schneider extension. Um, it was it was fantastic. But yeah. it sounds like we can retrace yeah. all of the worst moments in Seahawks history to something you did so far. That's what I'm learning. <laughs> but Dan, let me toss it over to you because uh, John, you brought it up there, and I think that's this is maybe the most important topic for Seahawks. Is yes, it matters who's at top, but it really matters who's under center. So Dan. If you had to bet an amount of money that mattered to you, week one, 2021, who's taking that first snap? I hope it's Russ or else we have no shot or anything. Uh, you know, and like John said, you know, it, it might be time to do that. Uh, we have a, a very old coach. Uh, so it would be with a new coach. It would be with a new quarterback, um, probably, yeah. if, if they're going to go through with that. Um you know, it, it's it's tempting to play Madden or to play fantasy football where you're just like, okay, give me three firsts plus Khalil Mack plus this and this and this. You know, it, it's it's fun to write out a wish list of what you'd want for Russell Wilson, but his cap hit so high, you know, it, it's – you look at what the Eagles got. I mean, not comparing Carson Wentz, but you, you look at, you know, what the Rams got for, you know, what they gave up to get Stafford and, mm. you know, what the Eagles gave up. So what Deshaun Watson is, you know, being rumored for, like, you know, I think I saw something, it was probably a, a fake article, but it was like, you know, Christian McCaffrey and your next 21st for like Deshaun Watson, you know, right. Russell Wilson's a bit older than Deshaun Watson. So I think that comes with a little bit of a, you know, tick down and, and level. But I mean, if you give, the thing about it is that the landing places that he's kind of chosen, none of them really make any they're, sense. They're because, fascinating to me. They're so different. Yeah. Because Chicago, I mean, you might as well stay in Seattle if you want to get killed. I mean, yeah. New Orleans, is, they have like 
they have negative sixty million dollars in the cap, which yeah. Calvin knows very much about. There's no way that's going to happen. As a Saints fan, <laughs> right. they can't afford him. Like it'd be really and, cool and to hey, root for Russell Wilson for a while, but yeah. no, they they can't afford him. Um, the Cowboys just signed Dak for uh, seventy five mm-hmm. million this year, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and then and then his other choice is Vegas, and he wants to go compete in the same division as Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, like that thing is. It seems like it has a lot to do with his wife. Like, we're kind of almost like where his wife wants to go. And Maybe just, his wife could get a residency in Las Vegas. Maybe that's what she's trying to get. <laughs> it, yeah, like a lot of the reports that I saw seem like a lot of it's tied to kind of her and, and, and what she wants. But, John, just I'll toss it to you. I mean, like, from a quarterback perspective, I mean, obviously having Russell Wilson there in your lives, like, yeah, maybe you don't win the Super Bowl, but it's a lot of fun to root for a guy like Russell Wilson. Is a, is a trade oh. or a release? Even like a possibility? I think it's possible. I'm not going to say it's probable because trading away that caliber of a quarterback is pretty unheard of in the NFL. It doesn't really happen. So I'm not sure that it actually happens. I'm not sure that either side of the trade partner, let's say Chicago, because honestly, it's the only one left on his list that might have some semblance of, of legs to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because we just saw um, Mike Mayock and John Gruden basically say, we will pound the table for Derek Carr. He's our guy. We love him. He's our quarterback. New Orleans doesn't have any money. None. Dallas just signed Dak. So, like, the only one left would be potentially Chicago. And Ryan Pace, if there's one GM stupid enough to do something like this, it would be Pace. It would be. He wanted to, you know, make Mitchell Trubisky a thing and and gave the farm for him. Maybe he does have that just kind of like, man, that would be crazy kind of itch that maybe we could swing this. And it's, you know, give me your next three first-round picks, you pancake-eating. So I I don't know. Maybe he's crazy enough to, to try and do something like that. I don't know if Schneider is. This might just be a situation where... Russell Wilson just gets wasted in Seattle. He's on the wrong mm. side of 30. He plays out the last few years of his contract. Seattle's a fringe team, eight and eight, nine and seven sort of guy because Russ is good enough to get them a few wins that they don't have any business winning. And then his contract expires, I think three years from now. And we part ways and we turn all down then. But that's just death by a thousand paper cuts in a slow and painful way. If you like, if you have the the foresight to see that that's what's coming, trading him makes the most sense because you're going to get assets back mm. to be able to try and start over instead of just waiting him out and him leaving in free agency in a few years. We saw the Kirk Cousins situation in Washington, which was just an absolute debacle where they they tagged him for two years in a row and then he leaves in free agency instead of trying to trade the guy to get assets out of it then. Seattle's kind of in a similar situation. This team's not good enough to win. It's not. It's not good enough to make a legitimate run at it. It is at best the second best team in their division, teetering on probably third. You could argue fourth if San Francisco is fully healthy, that Mm -hmm. Seattle's got the, the worst roster in the NFC West. So this is not a team that's going to compete. They could miss the playoffs this year. If they miss the playoffs this coming year, 
with the current structure that they have. They keep Russ, they keep Pete Carroll, all that, and then miss the playoffs. Then what happens? That's the big question for me. If they miss it, then do they decide to blow it all up? <laughs> yeah, I like that. Um, then do they decide to blow it all up after one year? I don't know that they have that sense of urgency in their mind right now to blow it up right now. But if they miss the playoffs this coming season, then you get all the screams from the fan base saying, fire P. Carroll, fire P. Carroll, fire P. Carroll. Then maybe they blow it all up after this next year. Dan, is, is Pete Carroll even the right guy for a rebuild? I mean, it just doesn't no, seem like no. he's on the right side of, you know. Hell no. He has no interest in rebuilding. <laughs> he has zero interest in rebuilding. And that's that's the thing. What they're trying to do is they're just trying to slap Band-Aid after Band-Aid after Band-Aid on these last few years because they know Pete Carroll's old. They want to get something while Russ is still in his prime. And, and, and like John said, you know, every year it's, you know, play crappy three quarters and let Russell Wilson take over in the fourth quarter and somehow it's the work most a miracle stressful thing I've ever seen in my entire life. It yeah. just hurts my heart. It does, especially primetime games. Cause it seems like they're always shootouts and it's always, you know, like Russ versus Kyler this year was just, amazing. it was amazing to watch. It was mm-hmm. great to watch. Oh, yeah. It's just, you know, it, it kills you because then you got to try to go to bed after that. And you're like, you know, wide awake, like, like you just drank a cup of co- like a, a pot of coffee, and you're like, I can't go to sleep after that. Like I almost had a heart attack. So, so obviously, free agency is going to depend on maybe the exact direction that they go with all their draft picks in, uh, in draft drafts. A couple of <laughs> a couple of um, conflicting reports over how many picks those might be, but I think I've got it as a two, four, five, and six, and maybe a seven. Um, I'm seeing two, four, five, six from Takeathon, so that's what I'm going to use for now. John, what do you think about Landon Dickerson there in the second round as uh, M99 suggests? suggests. Sure. Sure. No? The thing is, I'm so sick of John Schneider's drafting because there's not a single first-round player that has made a noticeable contribution on the Seattle Seahawks since 2012. Earl Thomas. I was going to say, Earl Thomas is probably the last one I can remember. Earl Thomas had, uh, is the last first-round draft pick that has actually made a difference to our team. We have, Aaron Curry. we have consistently traded out of the first or taken someone with a third or fourth-round draft grade in the late first, like this last year where we decide inexplicably to pass on Patrick Queen, who went with the very next pick to the Baltimore Ravens, and instead we take Texas A&M – edge rusher with a fourth round grade it made no sense it still doesn't make any sense Patrick Queen looked amazing in his rookie season phenomenal talent like you would expect a guy from LSU that won a national championship to look like it doesn't make any sense and that was the article that I wrote the day before John Schneider got extended I wrote an article about how bad he has been at drafting lately we could have had Nick Chubb instead of Penny, Chubb mm. went in the second round of that draft instead of Rashad Penny. We could have had Patrick Queen this last year instead of uh, Brooks, who I, I don't even really know the guy's name because he didn't do anything until there was four games left in the season. And that was because of injuries. It's just been wasted pick after wasted pick after wasted pick. 
So I don't care that we have four draft picks this year because I don't have any confidence in John Schneider using that second round pick on anyone that matters. DK Metcalf was the best pick he's made since 2013. And that was because the dude fell erroneously because of his three cone time. Mm. He fell into his lap. Outside of that, he has not had an excellent draft pick in years. So everyone that's touting him as this draft day savant, no, he's not. Okay. He's, he's fine. He's not a budding star. I'm, it's way too early for me to put that label on. You, you could have got him in the third. You could have got him in the third. There was no reason to Nobody take had him on his did. board that high, I don't think. No. There was not no that I'm reason. in the draft room, but, you know. I mean, we, so, we did our magazine, and I think he was, what, like seven or eight. And I think Calvin was with me on draft night when I, like, just – I just – my head dropped mm-hmm. like this. I was and I apoplectic just, when they made that pick. I, I, was, I was just on like, a live stream "What?" And I was, "Yeah, mm-hmm. we were doing a live stream for that tip." And I was like, yep. just, "What? Why?" Like, I'm like, so many other needs that could have been filled here. I, I mean, offensive line, secondary. Yeah. You have so Defensive many other needs, and you go, you go linebacker. Like, yeah, you what? Like, it was literally outside of quarterback, the last need on the team. Yeah, Bobby He's Wagner and KJ Wright. Right. Roll with them for a year. Use Just, that pick you know, on a corner. How Use often do you offense alignment? How often do you play base four three in this league anymore anyway? Like you don't need three linebackers in the field. Well, Seattle sure as hell tries to all the time. To. Yeah. They that's the they, thing. It's an antiquated philosophy that they're trying to make fit to a modern game, but they're trying yeah. to play the way that they won in 2012-2013. The game's changed since then. And it's funny because the game changed in large part because of your quarterback. You would think that you would understand the changes that came to the league with your quarterback. It makes no sense. You you think you'd have some idea of how to stop a running quarterback like Kyler Murray every once in a while. Since you can practice against one. You can practice against basically uh, an older Kyler Murray. Yep. But yeah. So, John, just give me a couple because I, I I don't want to I don't want to waste this opportunity to talk about the draft with you because you know like I, obviously you know a lot about the prospects but like who are some of the guys that in your mind if you, if if they do go up to the podium and say this is who I want like who would you want them or who would you want that to be who would you be who would be exciting to you? Um, I'm going to be completely honest because I, I haven't really even put any stock into their draft picks because mm. Schneider moves around so much. Mm. That second pass at 56 could become a third and a seventh. Um, I, I don't really know. If, if we are going to be looking at someone... Um, whoa, sorry. I just got an advertisement in my ear. Let me turn that off. That was weird. Um, if we are going to be looking someone there... I mean, I guess you go offensive line. There's a few guys that are projected to be late second offensive linemen. Um, Liam Eikenberg out of Notre Dame. There's Jalen Mayfield out of Michigan. There's a couple guys there that I think could have some upside to the team, but I'm worried about him just doing the wrong thing and taking a position that's not a need. I mean, you could be looking at cornerbacks as well. Um, Kelvin Joseph out of Kentucky is projected to be a, a late second round guy. Um, there's a couple different guys that I think could fit the needs, but I have so little confidence in Schneider to actually address the needs of the team 
where I feel like he's going to look at that pick and he's going to end up taking, I don't know, a, a wide receiver or like he's going to take Tylen Wallace. And I'm going to be like, what? why the hell? And I love Tylen Wallace as a prospect from fantasy football perspective. I love Tylen. But it's like, that's the kind of thing that I, I have no confidence in John Schneider doing. Sorry for dropping the WDH there. Sorry, I know there's children. It's okay. but, no. but it's like, it just doesn't make any sense to me the way that he's been drafting lately. It's not been for position of need outside of DK Metcalf, which was like the perfect pick that he's made in the last probably eight years. Um, outside of that, I don't know. There are some offensive linemen that are going there that might be okay prospects. I don't know that those offensive linemen are any better than the guys that you currently have on the roster at offensive line. So I don't know that it's an impact pick. Um, I would probably say with the second round pick, you have better chance at finding an impact guy in the secondary with that pick at 56 overall. That would be if I had to pick where I would like him to look, unless he can get a really sweet deal where he moves down for a third and a six or something like that, which I would take because we have such limited draft picks if he's not going to trade down from 56 overall, I would probably look secondary. I'd probably look Kelvin Joseph, who looks like an okay prospect. Maybe Javon Holland, he's a safety out of Oregon. Um, that might be another way to look as well. I'd probably be looking at the secondary with the 56 pick. I love that. And Dan, uh, you know, just to toss that back over to you. I mean, obviously, you know, you've, you're familiar with a lot of these prospects as well, but like, what are your thoughts on the draft and, you know, like, do you think defense is the right way to go? I mean, I see Patrick Jones, an edge rusher here from Pittsburgh, is uh, who Tankathon pulls in with it, with their mock. What do you think? What do you think? Where do you think they go there? I think it really all depends on what they're able to work out in free agency. Because if they really can't stock their corners, they need to get to take a corner. Because you yeah. know, you need to cover. I mean, you're facing, yeah. You know, two really good quarterbacks and whatever the Niners decide to do. And even if the Niners don't, you know, improve on Jimmy G, you know, he still has been able to, to shoot out the Seahawks. Uh, so it's, it's, they, they really, but they also have to address the offensive line and they just don't, they don't have the, the darts to throw. Everything about this is giving me a coronary. Like yeah. I, I feel like I'm sweating and I need to go to the hospital. Yeah. It's there's so many terrifying. spots to fill. Yeah, there's so many spots to fill. There's and, so and, many. You know, you're not going to get an offensive lineman in the seventh round that's going to impact this year. And, I've, and I've seen Alex Leatherwood, offensive tackle out of Alabama. I've seen him projected to go in the 40s. Yeah. If somehow he falls to 56, I'd smash that. Like, mm. that, would be, that would be an easy pick at 56 if Leatherwood falls for some reason. But we have – Four draft picks total, and we need probably ten guys. Yeah. So I, I I just don't know what to say or expect or do about the Seahawks. It's that everything's fine. Gif with the fire, the, the fire, the, the, the dog on fire, and everything is he's drinking coffee. I feel like, yeah, I, I, like that, that face you were just making with your hands, you know, on your head there, like we could put the this fire one. around you like that. And just, <laughs> yeah. that would be a perfect yeah. gift right there. And yeah, M99, get, hit me up on Twitter uh, at Calvin, Calvin and Hobby and uh, would, would love to be able to have you on. But I, here's, do you think there's any, any possibility that Pete Carroll, John Schneider, they see the jersey, 
They want to run back Percy Harvin, and they and they make a move to try and get Kadarius Tony. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh man. Um, See, I, I don't know that they need any receipt. I mean, that feels receipt. that feels like something that they would do. That. Right? Yeah. Like it's not something that I would like them to do. It's not something that I am projecting, but it feels like their type of pick, where their draft board just seems to be so different from everyone else's. And mm-hmm. if Kadarius Tony's hanging around at 56, uh, maybe. And they decide we're going to put him back at punt return. We're going to take um, 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 Tyler Lockett off punt return duties. Mm-hmm. We're going to put Kadarius Tony back there. We're going to line him up in the slot. We're, and, and you're forgetting that they hired a new offensive coordinator who is the passing game coordinator for the Rams. So he theoretically, from what he is saying, is going to have total autonomy over the offense. In his introductory press conference that I did with the media, he said, Pete Carroll and I have talked, Pete's going to allow me to run the offense. Now that to me is a slight breath of fresh air because maybe that means we're going to get away from running the ball on second and nine. Maybe we're going to do some innovative things. Maybe we are going to try to generate some, some plays in space. We have guys that are monsters after the yak after the catch we 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 know that we can get the ball in the playmaker's hands so maybe it is going to be a slightly more innovative offense but i don't but, know though but, because but, i don't the person else is going to be but john two days before that pete carroll said we need to run the ball more i know i have no <laughs> idea what's going on Pete wants to run the ball more but then carson might walk in free agency but then the offensive coordinator said that he's going to have total autonomy and it's just a dumpster fire like, I hate to be so pessimistic, but I am beyond stressed about the Seahawks. Yeah. Like, I am terrified about this team. And they're going to blow it up now, or they're going to blow it up next offseason. But I'm telling you, doom is coming. I hate this roster. I hate what Schneider has done to it. I hate our cap situation. I hate our draft picks. I hate everything about where we are. We have expensive aging veterans and unproven, un good youthful guys and that is not a recipe for success in the end let's talk about something good then let's change the subject to a a good talking point and you've got one of the best if not the best wide receiver in football right now dk metcalf so dan let's talk about him a little bit and maybe just the rest of the receiving core like what what is what's the ceiling for dk metcalf can he be the wide receiver one in dynasty well, in Dynasty Twitter, he was number one, and then uh, the next flavor of the month was number one the next week, and then the next mm-hmm. flavor of the month was number one the following week. So, and then he came back around and was number one again. Um, I think he can. He the problem I always have with Seahawks receivers is uh, Russ is not a guy to show consistency towards his receivers hmm. historically. Like, you know, Doug Baldwin, I think, went for a stretch where he was on fire. But I always picked the he wrong was between, guy. He was between, like, wide receiver 8 and 12 almost every year for, like, a four-year stretch. Yeah. But, like, I always picked the wrong guy. And I always pick, you know, uh, you know the, the week, you know, playing DFS and stuff like that. You know, it's, it's a toss-up, like, between Lockett mm. and Metcalf. I mean, you look at maybe the, the cornerback matchup, but then, like, you know, he's played against Stephon Gilmore and, you know, torched him pretty much. So, and then he plays against, you know, Jalen Ramsey every once in a while and gets, you know, screaming at, you know, 
the, the world. So, I mean, it's, I, I think the problem with him and the, the Russ deep ball is it's not, you can't hit it a hundred percent of the time. So it, it's, you're, you're going to have your down weeks. You know, I, I don't think he's, you know, in the Randy Moss conversation where it's a, a given, he's going to have a touchdown pretty much every week, you know, He'll have those explosion games like he had this season mm-hmm. and his rookie season even. You know, he'll have those games where he'll just be a monster and you'll love it. But um, I have him on a couple teams and, you know, I'd have to be swept off my feet to to trade him. But, you know, it's you're going to have those games like any, like any receiver really um, that are just inconsistent. So that's the problem with deep ball guys, you know. He's a little more than that. You know, he's shown, you know, his three cone didn't mean Jack. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you mentioned the, the, the offensive coordinator, the passing game coordinator. And I, I think you're right, John. Like that's, that's, that's something that Pete Carroll said something, but then the, he said something, but then the team did something different. They brought in a guy who does have a lot of experience under a passing game, uh, got guru there in, you know, uh, with the Rams. So, I mean, do you think if they open it up a little bit, his target numbers go up and he really could be the wide receiver one this year? So I went through a period in time during this last year where I did get very, very hyper on DK Metcalf. And I love DK Metcalf long-term. I've I've done the thing where I had like the insane spike and then I kind of came down and I've kind of leveled off. I do think DK Metcalf is incredibly talented. The offense as a whole concerns me much larger than DK Metcalf's talent. If we are opening it up, if Russ is still there, if this new offensive coordinator really does have autonomy and decide to actually, I don't know, throw the ball on first down, which would be a new and novel idea for Seattle football, then yes, I think that he does have top five dynasty wide receiver potential. He's still very young. He's athletically as blessed as a human being gets. So to me, it has more to do with the system around him than it does mm. him himself. If he was in an offense where this guy was seeing 120 to 140 targets per year, like the elite wide receivers are, yeah, TK Metcalf would absolutely smash. This would be mm. a guy that would be ripping off the massive plays and also have the safe floor that you're looking for in elite dynasty fantasy football wide receiver if they used him if they used him like they use julio jones in atlanta like they just absolutely with targets he would he would be that like he he has the skill set the frame the size the speed that he could be calvin johnson-esque if he was in the team that used him that way but seattle doesn't and that's the problem i look at this just you know Greek god of a man playing wide receiver for Seattle and know that the sky is the limit for this guy. His talent is not a question. His physical skill set, his physical gifts are not a question. The only question is usage, and that's it. And we have an aging head coach that seems to be stuck in his old ways with a new offensive coordinator, and I don't know what that marriage is going to look like yet. Mm. I don't know who's going to really be calling the shots on on what the philosophy for the offense is going to be. Because Pete Carroll might be telling this guy, you have total autonomy over the offense, but they get together on a meeting on a Tuesday morning 
And he says, so this week we're going against this team, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to run the ball early and often to establish the run and make sure that the defense come up and the offense coordinator might say, you know what, I disagree with that. I really think we should open it up. We should try to catch them by surprise. We should be a little bit more innovative. We should get the ball in DK's hands. And Pete might just say, I don't know about that. And then that's the end of the conversation. So all this talk about autonomy for the offensive coordinator getting to run his offense might be for not. I don't know what this marriage is going to look like yet. And if Pete is willing to loosen the reins, if he's willing to like concede that today's offense needs to run differently or not. And to me, that's the biggest question. If this offensive coordinator really does want to open it up, if DK Metcalf does see 120 targets this year, yeah, he can be a top three to five guy for sure. But I don't know that that's in the cards. Dan, if they do go back to their old ways and decide to turn around and hand it off on first and second down, who could that be that they're handing that ball off to? Alex Collins. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> uh, right now, it's it's Rashad Penny because yeah, he's the, the top guy on the list. But it could be Alex Collins. They brought him back. Um, they, they could use a draft pick, um, you know, they could bring a guy off the street. I mean, they, they're not, they're no stranger to just bringing guys in, you know, off the street, uh, and making them compete. Um, and that's where I think some of, uh, you know, I, I see a lot of people, uh, on Twitter, just, you know, naming name after name after was, name as, as, as running backs. So it's kind of I like, was just going to say Todd Gurley. I was, yeah. I was just going to say that. That'd be perfect. I mean, in a perfect world, uh, you know, bring Aaron Jones in and sign every top free agent there is. And uh, right. But you don't have the money to do it. Yeah. There's no money to do that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think optimally you, you try to bring back Chris Carson, but I think he's, you know, outperformed his contract and he's going to want, a pay rate. What do you but. what do you think he's gonna go for in free agency? It's, a two to three year contract at nine mil a year. I think a one year deal. It's with, one. With, I think it'd get two. With, just, with I think, the I think you get a couple. Yeah. Just with, with some of the uncertainty with the salary cap, things like that. Like I, I kind of think it might be I think it might be a lot of one year deals this year. Maybe I think running backs one, especially. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to sign a running, running back. Yeah, yeah, a one with a team option for the second year, yeah. something like that. That could be something that that ends up happening. But I think he's a guy. The the tag value is a little over. Yeah, two to three years, eight million, yeah. something like that. I could absolutely see the tag value on running backs is supposed to be like eight point five or something like that. So he might come in slightly under the tag value. So yeah. Um, a two-year deal where the second year is a team option at eight million years, something like that. I think that Carson could be had, and he's proven to be a really versatile and physical running back when he's when he's healthy. Yeah, and I think he could go on to find something that uh, we're not willing to pay. We don't have eight million a year to hand out to the running back. That's the thing. So I think that Carson's gone. I, I think yeah. that he's off to greener pastures. Yeah, I think it's and a foregone nothing conclusion. but the best. Yeah, I mean he's a great back for. For, for when you, you know, you, seventh you round always... draft pick to go get a second contract at eight mil a year would be great for him as a person. Yeah. Like, congratulations to you. You came in, you proved it, you worked, you earned it. That's awesome, Chris. Criminally underrated. I mean, one oh, of the yeah. more yep. underrated running backs of the last few years, right? Yep. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think is everybody always thought, well, you know, Penny's going to take the job and it, it just never formalized. Carson just yeah. kept the job. You know, Pete was, uh, you know, loyal to him in Penny's rookie season. And Penny, I think, got banged up in training camp that his thumb or something or hand or something. Did, yeah. Uh, so that got him behind the eight ball and then Carson was doing fine. So they were like, okay, we're rolling with what we got. It's, but the Alex Collins is interesting. Cause I think that could be a possibility. Cause and I'm honestly, gonna I'm gonna hate it it would be cheap. that's going to be the running back that is going to get you one yard on first down. And then we're going to decide to run it again on second and nine. And I'm going to be furious. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't doubt it. Cause pet theory out to you because you got the Rams connection. He's an undrafted free agent. What about Malcolm Brown? That'd be interesting. He's free in dynasty right now. That's one of those, like you can kind of, the thing is I'm also, I'm not, I'm not writing off DJ Dallas for dead either. This will be the second year. We, we used the draft pick on him last season. Um, I think that DJ Dallas showed some pretty good flashes last year. I think that if it's an open competition between DJ Dallas and Rashad Penny, Dallas might beat out Penny in camp. Yeah. Like he could beat him out. He proved that he's versatile. We know that he can catch. Um, he, he did runs, pretty decent in pass blocking. Strong. Too. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, was, he was okay. And, yeah. I think the thing is that Seattle wants to run with just a, a number one back all the time, but we might not have an offense or personnel to be able to accommodate that. And it might be a bit of a committee situation. Kenyon Drake would be interesting, but again, I think that Kenyon Drake is going to go similarly to Chris Carson in free agency. I think he's going to get anywhere from seven to eight mil per year. And I just think that right now we're looking at either what we have on the roster or bottom of the barrel guys that we think that we can change, change the tread on the tire and try to get another season out of it. I don't think that we're looking at someone that's going to be anywhere from seven to nine or 10 mil a year. Yeah, I mean, that's what, that was what Carlos Hyde was last year. <laughs> yep. The, the retread, try him out. He's a backup, but you know. Mm-hmm. The, the other position that it seems like Russell Wilson is really wanting to add to the team right now is a tight end. And there's a lot of smoke to the Seahawks shopping for a lot of different people right now. And Zach Ertz being kind of first and foremost as somebody that they've, they've really talked about like either they're going to give up one of these draft picks for or or sign if he gets cut but you guys have already talked about it i mean aging free agents isn't uh, isn't exactly what you want to add right yeah i mean the greg olson signing i mean i like greg olson but he Boy, that worked out well i mean he, he just wasn't the guy for the job but you know he's he's about you know five years ago greg olson sure yeah, Seattle did a really good job signing a tight end coach. They did great. That was fantastic. <laughs> Somebody mentioned uh, Disley in the chat earlier. And, and you know, Big he's – Montana? Yeah, I mean, he's coming off two really bad injuries. So it, it for him to even make it back to the field, yeah, he did have so much potential. And uh, that there's two injury, I mean, injuries – kill players all the time at this point what's left of him and that's kind of my worry on penny as well like it yeah. what percentage of his best are we going to see from penny and so here's you go ahead, hold on. Go ahead. I, I i gotta interject 
this is exactly the problem that the Seattle Seahawks are looking at, what we are talking about right now. We are looking at what are the bargain bin values that we can find, who are the injured guys that we can try to scrape together some production out of, who are the people that we're going to be able to get for cheap. The conversation that we're having is the issue that is facing the Seahawks. That's it. That's all that we have. We don't have the resources to go bring in impact players. We don't have the ability to go sign a Johnny Smith in free agency. Or if we did that, we would deplete basically all of what we have available in free agency and we'd be screwed mm. everywhere else. Like, we don't have the resources to make a splash signing, a Hunter Henry, a Johnny Smith, a, a running back, a Kenyon Drake. We, we can't. We can't. And if we do, we're not accomplishing anything else and that's the problem. We have so many needs as a franchise and no assets to accomplish it. If we do uh, buy Kyler Murray and uh, Matthew Stafford, because they are going to light up the secondary because we're not going to have any corners. <laughs> I'll tell you what. How about we just swap Russ for Kyler on his rookie deal? Um, yeah. We improve our cap situation that way, and then we go out and uh, make some moves after that. How about that? Yeah. Del Somebody said Delaney Walker is still out there. Yeah, no. Bye. Get out of my face. <laughs> but that's the kind of thing that we'd that, be looking at doing. That's the kind doing. of thing, yeah. It would be, it would be like that. It would be the Delaney Walkers. It would be a, like Heath Cummings yeah. to come out of nowhere. We're looking at a one-year five, one five million, you know, four million aged veteran that can't yep. play anymore. That At any position. Yeah. We're talking running back, so tight good. end. Offensive line, defensive end, corner, safety, you name it. Yeah. Yeah. So while we're off the rails a little bit, like, how about um, why didn't Christine Michael work out? What was wrong with him? <laughs> I loved Christine Michael. I, I did. I had a soft spot for him. Um, I don't know. The thing is that the NFL is fickle, and if you're not producing quickly and frequently, it's 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 easy to move on. Christine mm -hmm. Michael showed some flashes, but he also showed some inconsistency uh, in his game, and that's just kind of the way it goes in the NFL. You, yeah. you got to be consistent week in, week out, every practice, doing your job, doing the things that you need to do to improve and get better and help the team. And if you're not doing those, then it's – we're on to the next. It's it's a quick it is a quick rotating door unless you establish yourself. I was gonna say that was in the age of uh, Pete and John Schneider uh, just cycling through guys. So if you were that was like that was like the Thomas Rawls era. Yeah, I was gonna say I think Rawls basically took that job that year. So it was kind of uh, you know what what can you do for me this week? And if you can't, then see. I mean that's why Axe Collins ended up in Baltimore because you know it Justin came down the Justin Forsett. Oh, I love Forsett in Seattle. I love Forsett. Yeah. yeah. With their I period, Seattle wants to operate on having a pass rush and a dominant running back. Mm. And that is the only way that Pete Carroll seemingly knows how to coach. Yeah. And if you don't have those things, it's not going to work. We had an elite defense, an elite pass rush, and an elite running back in 2013. And if it wasn't for that, then that's it. And, and if you're unable to fill those positions at an elite level, top, top level, then we're screwed. Pete Carroll, you know what his pipe dream is? 
his pipe dream is to be the Baltimore Ravens. Hmm. How they are right now is exactly how Pete Carroll would love to operate. Except I don't think that he wants his quarterback running for a thousand yards. But that thirty just second and constant pass attempts, that kind of thing. Yep. Yep. Last in the league in pass attempts, a dominant ground game, a, a very, very solid defense. He and John Harbaugh probably, you know, get some wine and smoke some cigars every once in a while and, hmm. and share notes. Yeah. And, Ru- and Russ wants to run an offense like the Chiefs, where he's firing the ball mm-hmm. 50 times a game. So, and he could. He, he could. could. Yeah. yeah absolutely. He could be amazing. He could be the best, one of the top quarterbacks in the league. He already is. Yep. And doesn't even get to throw the ball that much. So it's just, I feel your frustration. It's funny. Like when when this, when we started this, this show, I was about like 99% sure Russell Wilson was going to be the quarterback. I'm still over 50% sure, but you have kind of convinced me like that might not be a bad move. I mean, depending on what they do here with this cap space. Yeah. Maybe it is a good move to kind of move on from your guy. The thing is, to me, is that I think it's the right move. I just don't know if they've got the cojones to do it. Mm. That's where it's at for me. I think it's the right move, and it's much easier for me as an outsider to do that as opposed to being the John Schneider that's actually in the chair and actually has the, you know, the coach to the launch pad. Do you want to be the guy that just traded your franchise quarterback for? Right. Darts. But he just got the contract <laughs> extension, and that's the yeah. reason why I think that it might happen because we yeah. just gave Schneider six years, and he might go, okay, I have the trust and the liberty to be able to actually rebuild this thing and make this move that many general managers don't get the yeah. opportunity to do. Because if any other GM in the league, if it was, you know, let's say it was even Chris Ballard out of Indy that was in our situation – and he had like one year left on his deal or two years left on his deal. You make that, you're fired. But mm. like they yeah. just gave Schneider six years and a lot of money. So he might be saying this is the only way for us to get back to putting together a championship level roster. And it's not going to be now. It's not going to be next year. It's a, it's a three or four year thing where we need to tear it down and start over and build on the line, build on the defense and do these things he might be in a position where he has the freedom to do so. And not many general managers are. So if he does trade Russell Wilson, who's more hated Schneider or the guy that moved the Sonics to OKC? Yeah. Oh, Schneider. (laughs) I I don't know. It it depends if they ever get the Sonics back. Seattle loved their Sonics, man. They loved them. Uh, I mean, it was Gary Payton and Ken Griffey Jr. in Seattle. I was going to say, it was oh. probably uh, when Ken Griffey Jr. got traded because I was pissed mm. off about that. <laughs> to the Reds, man. I lost my mind when that happened. Yeah. And same with Alex Rodriguez going yeah. to the uh, to uh, Texas, the Rangers. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, Seattle has been a much maligned sports city other yeah. than 2013 and 2014. Seahawks and that was it like outside of that little window where we thought that we had something special and we could catch the lightning in the bottle then we made a bad play call at the one yard line we lost the locker room and it ended and that's it and John Schneider is still being rewarded for draft classes from eight years ago 
So you mentioned the um, last last thing I'll mention. You mentioned the Mariners there and some of the some of the players. My my fa- I love football. My family you, you would most people would just call us a baseball family. We love baseball. Um, we watched a I think it was John Boyce on that did a it was like a six part documentary on on YouTube on the Seattle Mariners during the nineties. Nice. It was amazing. Like it was so Dude. good. Buner, Edgar Martinez, Alex Cora, Ken Griffey Jr., Randy Johnson. Mm. I, I mean, it was so fun. It was so good. And in 2001, I know we're going completely off football, but in 2001, <laughs> they brought in Ichiro from Japan. Mm-hmm. And it was also the year that they hosted the All-Star Game in Seattle. And in 2001, I went up to Seattle for that. And uh, went up and I got to see Ichiro play in, in June and uh, had, a, had a great time. Those were good days. Ichiro was, uh, was awesome. Took the city by storm. Yeah. yeah. And to tell you how big of a Griffey fan I was, my, uh, my wife's wedding gift to me was a Ken Griffey Jr. autograph baseball. So, so still, that was a, still my that was favorite video awesome. game of all time is the Ken Griffey yeah. Jr. Oh, baseball. Oh, N64. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the game Ken too. Yeah, yeah. N64 was so yep. amazing. I love that. So, well, I think that was an awesome show. I mean, obviously, you know, it was, I'm sorry to put you through that, John. I hope you, you know, can go take some medication and go to sleep or something, (laughs) calm yourself down. But um, (laughs) in the meantime, uh, just over the off season, how can people find you, support you and, and uh, all the awesome work that you're putting in? Yeah. uh, On Twitter at John Helmkamp. If you don't know how to spell it, just ask uh, Calvin and Hobby and he'll point you in my direction. But on Twitter, it's where I'm doing a lot of my stuff. I'm doing a lot of film breakdowns on rookies and, you know, we're gearing up for the NFL draft over on Deadspin. I cover kind of everything. So don't just expect like fantasy football content there, but I talk sports news. I talk football news. I talk kind of off the field stuff that's going on as well. Um, But yeah, I'd love if you, uh, you tuned in. It'd be great. Very cool. Dan, how about you? I know, obviously, we're working on a magazine right now together yeah. that we're a small part of, but some really smart people involved in that. Yeah, yeah, some some smart people. Uh, I, I will be uh, limited in my profiles, but uh, yeah, uh, Dingus was already getting on me about, hey, you, you done yet here? I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, I'm working on it. But uh, Hollywood will probably write uh, 50 IDP articles about corners that will play in the CFL or something, and because he loves to do that uh and then and then then dingus will have to cut him because you know he'll say you have 50 corners written what the hell Mm -hmm. Uh, but you can catch hollywood on idp nation uh currently with kyle b uh what filling in for me while i'm uh in in uh virtual teaching uh purgatory and uh what we'll say and uh idpguys.org when i eventually get the itch to write again or you know get on these profiles and have something to say uh maybe i'll be writing about the the daryl taylor breakout hopefully we can see that here's open very cool well and yes and the idp guys the website looks awesome uh definitely if you haven't checked that out check it out it's it's a go-to for me for my idp leagues make sure you're uh following them and john has got some amazing threads on twitter where he's breaking down these prospects so make sure that you're following him and supporting him as well uh so for these guys for uh matt donnelly ff 
uh, the Dynasty Vipers. I'm at Calvin and Javi. Make sure you're following us. We've got Bob Lung on the show tomorrow. We're doing a behind the grind with him where we're going to talk about his history and the consistency Love rankings Bob. and things like that. Yeah, and yeah, we got some and amazing guests coming up. Um, I think the only one we've officially announced is we will have FF Hitman on, uh, Mike Wright. That, that's coming up here shortly. And we've got a whole catalog of just amazing guys that we've talked to. If, you ha- if you're not familiar with us, just catching us for the first time, make sure you go back, listen to the Adam Rank show, uh, listen to the show with Bob Harris. Um, you know, the, all these previews were coming close to the end, so go back and watch some of these. We've had awesome guests on. And uh, yeah, so for these guys... And uh, for all the guys over at Dynasty Vipers, we will see you.